This episode was recorded on the land of the Ngunnawal people. Welcome to Teach Insights from Catalyst, the podcast that explores the science of learning and its practical implementation in the classrooms of Catholic Education, Canberra Goulburn. I'm your host, Luke Mooney, and in each episode, we'll hear from teachers and leaders who are leading the way in implementing evidence-based teaching practice. Today, I chat with Natalie Fairfax, head of the International Baccalaureate Program, or IB, at Marici College in Braddon, Canberra. In this episode, Natalie shares with us some of the student engagement data that has been collected through the TeachWell program. This is a unique episode, as you'll notice that we've inserted some of the student responses into our conversation to reflect the data that Natalie shares. And to indicate when this is happening, you'll hear sounds of the classroom to transition between voices. I hope that makes sense. In addition to this, Natalie also chats about some of the work that she has done in creating a shared vocabulary glossary. It's a very interesting episode. So as you walk, work, drive, or just relax as you are listening, I hope you enjoy. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to Teacher Insights. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Natalie, to start today, can you tell us a bit about your role at this school? Yeah, so I am the head of the IB, which is the International Baccalaureate um, at Marici, and we've been an IB school for about five years. I'm also on the leadership team here, um, but I was a first wave catalyst participant in the high impact teaching strategy in action. So that then led me to be involved in uh, what we call the catalyst lead team at the school. So I've been working with some other colleagues who were also part of that first wave to support staff around the school who are going through the other waves of Catalyst. And as an IB, you're head of IB yep, correct. at the school. And in that role, can you tell us about how Catalyst has featured, is fitting into an IB school and what the, possibly some of the um, inferences about how an IB school might operate and having Catalyst implemented at the school? Yeah, sure. So when it first got mentioned, the IB promotes an inquiry-based approach. And so lots of the initial concerns were about the fact that Catalyst and the HITP is around direct instruction. And so that that misaligned a little bit in lots of people's um, thoughts around what inquiry was. But actually, it's been um, a really great positive thing for our school because you've got two different areas. You've got the middle years program, which is for years seven to 10, and then the diploma program, which is for years 11 and 12. The diploma programs are very set curriculum, very content heavy, very knowledge rich, where students study courses for two years and then take exams at the end of the two years. So they have to retain lots of that information um, right until the end. And so the sort of high impact teaching strategies helps them to retain that and put the information in their long term memory, um, which has been really helpful in our students in terms of moving them forwards um, and be more successful and feel confident in the exams. I think I pay more attention to the teachers that do like whiteboards and paddle pop sticks and randomly recalling information and stuff because again it's a kind of more of like an engaging environment because I'm not just kind of off on my own to go do work that has been set online. Um, so I'm kind of engaging more with the content, I guess, and it's helping me remember it better, I think, as well. 
I've been noticing that it's been really helpful because most of my teachers that are using it are using it in the really content-heavy subjects, so stuff like chemistry or religion where I have a lot of terminology to remember, and I find it really helpful in that. But even in English with, like, guided notes and stuff, I think it's really helpful to kind of be, be told what you need to look for when you're analysing, um, like, a text. Like, I know That's true. class at the moment, for, when we're looking at Martin Luther King's speeches, we do get things that have been annotated with parts pulled out of them and talked about. So that when we're doing the same thing in our own time with other speeches, we know what they want us to look for and what they want us to pay attention to. Without, like, the paddle pop sticks, it's kind of like the people who are engaged raise their hand, but anyone else would stay quiet. But I think with paddle pop sticks, it makes you focus or you're aware that you might be asked a question. So it makes you more involved in the lesson. But then as the years went on, they started to, like, identify key, like, learning goals. Like, especially if they do uh, PowerPoints, they have, like, a slide dedicated to what you're supposed to learn. And like, it gives me a direction, you know what I mean? Like, and it gives me a goal. And if that goal hasn't been achieved, I have questions, right? It really helps. In the junior years, Inquiry for us is very much directed inquiry. It's not just students just go off and find their own answers. So it actually hasn't been a big shift for us in terms of conflicting with an inquiry-based approach because we do do directed inquiry. In order for that to be successful, you need to have the knowledge first. And so all of those processes with the you know engagement strategies and the full participation, that's really important for them to have the knowledge in which to apply to an inquiry question process later. What have the teachers noticed being the biggest lever for change within the Catalyst Teach Well training? Um, I think making sure that there's time dedicated for teachers' professional learning. So the fact that school has supported teachers to give them release time to engage with all of the training that's been provided has been really important. And the fact that teachers have been really not forced into it, they've been allowed to volunteer when they felt comfortable to take on um, lots of that training. So it's been a really growth-focused sort of supportive model and allowed teachers to enter where they're comfortable at. Uh, lots of the sharing of practice, all the Teach Well sort of resources and training has meant that people are working with their colleagues within the school so they can keep those conversations happening in an ongoing capacity but also between schools as well so you're sharing the resources and the learning but you're also able to still carry on the conversation in your own local context which I think has been really helpful as well. Is there particular examples of people doing that really well? Um, maths department have got an amazing um, leader at the moment there so He's actually videoing himself, trying out the different um, strategies in the classroom and then sharing that with his colleagues in the department and saying, well, for just an example, you know, I'm looking at mini whiteboards today and this is how I've done this with my, you know, core set year nine maths. And you might be able to then look at this video of how I've done that so you can then replicate that in your own classrooms. So he's been, I'd say, probably a front runner in sort of showing that as a practice around the school, just, you know, that he's willing to put himself out there and share what he's doing with his colleagues. And I think that's, it's confronting to video yourself teaching, to watch it yourself, but it's also confronting to then be willing to share that with others. And I think that that's really good position great, that we're in with it? that. Yeah. So jumping on to the main focus of our 
chat today, that's student voice. Mm-hmm. TeachWell surveyed students on their engagement and um, what their change in engagement from before HITP or Catalyst until after. So the recent survey results indicate a powerful change that students have noticed here. Can you tell us about what students are saying through this data? Yeah, we're so lucky that we've got this information to be able to, I guess, share with our community that what they're doing in the classroom is working. So 82% of the students reported their teachers had changed their practice. So they've actually seen that there has been change um, and that teachers are trying out different things in the classroom. One of the, I guess, quite exciting data, I think, is that 70% of students said they felt they could achieve well on tests, even when they found them difficult. And so they were willing to take on those more difficult tasks because they felt they had the tools to give it a go and the confidence to give it a go. Um, I think one subject might be maths. We started using the whiteboard technique and since then you can see, well, maybe if you were quieter in that class, you wouldn't know if you got the question right or you would be too afraid to ask. But seeing how other people solved it or they're working out around you, it helps you start more conversations about it as well. And it might give you more confidence going into exams. There's also been um, quite a big change of 14% where 79% of students noted that their teacher asks them to explain their answers in the classroom. So not just to give an answer, but also to go into depth. Um, So yes, again, over that period where the data was collected, the prior data and then that post data, there was an increase of 14% of students feeling confident to be able to do that and that their teachers were commanding them to explain and expecting that. I definitely think there's been an increase in teachers expecting full participation and engagement in their classrooms, not just assuming that it's happening because students are quiet. Yeah, um, well, specifically in biology, because a lot of the time it is really complex questions that you are asked to answer. Um, And if you know, the teacher can tell that you're stuck and you're struggling to answer, even if you have been listening. Um, people kind of point in the right direction and say, you know, it's kind of in this area. Think about this. Can you, like, make any connections here to what the question's asking? Do you think it's the same people get caught on in biology? I think it's good when it's random because then it helps people, like, explore their thinking, and that's what our teacher helps them to do by asking sort of probing questions to lead you down the right path instead of just giving you the answer on a board or a picture. And if you're a teacher yourself, as well as the head of IB at the school here, is that something that you can comment on as well and, and within the participation oh, of your students? Oh, absolutely. Um, being in a girls' school particularly, um, and in this girls' school, our girls are well-behaved. They've always been well-behaved for the most part. And usually if they're quiet you think they're working. But actually, unless you are holding them to account for all the different things you want to see from their learning, quite often they wouldn't be doing anything. Um, Speaking to one of the students earlier, they're quite honest about saying that actually, if they were allowed to opt out and not be accountable for the work that was asked of them, chances are they wouldn't be doing it. If, you know, the teacher just kind of let us go off on our own, you know, look at something online, do it in your own time, like, I just probably wouldn't do it because I have no motivation to go and do that work if, you know, 
it's not an active environment in the classroom, you know. I'm not being encouraged to go off and do my work. I'm probably not going to go do it. And so the full participation strategies, whether that's, you know, choral response or mini whiteboards or sort of choral reading, all of those things mean it's really noticeable if somebody isn't doing the work or isn't engaged to show their learning. And actually then that one or two students that maybe don't want to engage, they don't really have an option because most students are engaged so that everyone just gets on board and it's a much more visible impact about you can see just in a snapshot who's got the content and who hasn't and what you might then need to reteach or adjust your practice in. Going back to the data, is there some other data there that you find quite interesting to share? I would say there's another point that basically 83% of students noted that every student in the class has the chance to show the teacher what they learned. So that's just from the students. So not only does the teacher feel that they can see what the students are learning or the students themselves are actually saying they've noticed that they that everyone has the chance and the opportunity because I guess prior to that you've always got those talkative students or those keen ones that tended to dominate the conversation in the classroom whereas the full participation means that everybody gets that opportunity and that no one's left behind and making people be engaged in their learning is so important because then you can improve student outcomes. They also said 74% of students noted that their peer participation had improved in the classroom as well. Um, so that's, that's quite interesting, that their peer participation. Yeah. So they're noticing that their peers are participating more, not just themselves. Yeah, and that, that leads to a better classroom culture because um, I would say the students were often the ones that noticed each other were off task because you might might have been in a different position at the classroom, but when they're sitting with their friends, that they can see that maybe while they're doing the work or not, but their their colleagues may have been slightly off task, they're actually seeing that maybe those people who were off task before are now more on board and more engaged with the content. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, they're more involved. Um, whereas without being, like, called on and stuff, they wouldn't necessarily pay attention, maybe. Yeah, and if everyone else in the room is holding up a whiteboard and you're not, it's kind of obvious that you're not <laughs> joining in, but yeah. Yeah. We saw a lesson, a science lesson earlier before. It was fantastic. And I noticed that when they were writing down one of their answers on their whiteboards that um, it was just one word answer at the time, um, they quickly flicked it to their partner, although it wasn't, it was a hover opportunity. It wasn't mm. an opportunity to share. They quickly flicked it. They gave each other a thumbs up and they put it down again. So that they're, they're actually, um, they're engaging with the learning in a way that they haven't done before. Uh, it's a very safe way. I think see, lots of the things that we're looking at, they're not hugely new strategies, but the way that they're structured and put together as a package is quite a new way of thinking. So we may well have asked people to, you know, give answers in class, obviously, but this, the way that the Catalyst initiatives and the HITP practices have been set up makes it really safe for people to, to be wrong in the classroom. And if they're unsure, to be able to check maybe something with their partner like you saw, to give them the confidence so that then they build that confidence and can be more um, able to do that independently once they've... I guess, feel that they're able to. And that kind of peer recognition that they've got the right answer is also really helpful too. So you've commented on what you've noticed about student engagement since the introduction of HITP. Have you noticed an improvement in grades or noticed a different spread of students um, since 
notice a different spread of students achieving since the introduction of HITP? At the bottom end, students are, are feeling more confident. And so in MACLIT, we've got a MACLIT program as a tier two intervention. We've had a 102% increase in success in their learning, like as, a, as an average um, improvement. So whilst that's a sort of separate intervention, not a mainstream classroom intervention, we're pulling students that otherwise in a secondary context would have been left behind. And then as content gets more complex, as vocabulary gets more complex, they get even further behind. And so actually we've got a really good sort of support there that students at the bottom end can now are achieving better in, in those areas. I'd say also maths. The maths department have done a lot of work with um, for participation strategies and they're seeing an improvement in their NAPLAN results as well. I just want to pick up on, you mentioned vocabulary before. Yeah. And you've done a little bit of work in vocabulary at the school since you've been here. Can you tell us about the vocabulary glossaries that you've constructed? Yeah, so one of the key focuses is around um, reducing difference of experience in the classroom that students receive. And so making sure there's much of a very low variance between, you know, one teacher and another's. Also, as part of that, uh, the Catalyst is looking at the importance of teaching vocabulary, not just expecting students to know words. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to come up with a critical list of vocabulary that's expected that all students have in that subject. So we asked um, teachers in their subject areas to come up with a list of words that they thought were really, really important for their subject. We then broke that down. We, I created a template and that included the pronunciation of those words. So helping students with how to speak through those vocabulary as well as just writing them out. A picture, if that was helpful for in looking at what the definition was and that shared definition. It just means that then when you're looking at different classrooms, the definition of sustainability is being the same regardless of which teacher you have. And it just means then that when you're looking at assessment, if the assessment's around a particular set of vocabulary, that all students have that ability to be able to do um, a good job in that area, know what's expected from different words and that there's no gaps left. So that, you know, sometimes some teachers might prefer certain vocabulary over others, but there's a shared understanding in this case of what words are expected. We also, the middle years program has a list of what we call the command terms uh, like explain or analyze and describe and they have a set of definitions of what those are so we've done a lot of work around that too with students in terms of in their assessment items underlining and bolding what the depth is required if they are just meant to list or if they are meant to explain making sure that they know what that looks like so those definitions are at the beginning of all of those glossaries too so teachers put those together they get PDF'd per kind of year group. So there's a year seven glossary of all the main key terms for all the subjects that year sevens will need in a semester. And that gets shared with students as well as with parents as well. And with all the teachers in that team so that everyone's got access to a similar definition. How wonderful. Is there a specific way that the vocabulary is taught? Um, at this stage, people are still... I would say a bit varied in the way that they're doing this. We've got a literacy coordinator that we've just appointed at the school. So her job has been to use the glossaries and 
teach teachers what they can do with them so they don't just become a document that no one refers to. So part of the Teach Well materials is to look at, you know, working at word origins. There's also, I guess, more in the primary space or the seven space, the, you know, the breaking down of the syllables by using different body parts. We don't do lots of that in the secondary context, but some teachers use that. I would say we do more about just looking at the, we do lots of guided notes around vocabulary um, and that's very helpful, especially when students are quite slow to write but they still value writing. Uh, so having the guided notes with the gaps means that they can still have a perfect set of notes of the key things that are critical, but they are still active in that process. They don't just get given a photocopy of, of the key terms. They are able then to engage and write some of the bits down, but they can actually keep up with the rest of the class as well. And have the teachers made any comments about the shared vocabulary lists and about some of the assumptions they may have had about vocabulary in the past to now having that as a resource? Um, I still think that we're kind of in the early stages of using them effectively. I think it's been, um, we've now had a whole year where we've been using those. So we've got only now to review them each semester. I think working out in initially what the critical vocab was for the unit was probably the most difficult thing because ACARA give you a list of words but they're not necessarily the words that students need the definitions for. And so I think it was just quite a lot of work to start with for teachers to put those together. But now that we've got a complete set, it's a lot more easier for them to actually use those rather than worry about putting uh, creating them because they're a complete set. So I'd say that teachers definitely refer to them more than they've ever, they ever used to. There's a much more deliberate focus on the teaching of vocabulary. Um, and also just around sort of word endings or word beginnings and the structure of vocabulary, not necessarily just the subject-specific words, but maybe some of the just more unfamiliar terms in the questions as well and, and being deliberate about how they teach that in the classroom. In regards to leadership and implementation of catalysts being drivers of change, I understand there's some dynamic conversations occurring in the leadership space within the different faculties. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a whole range of different people at different experience levels who are looking at different waves of catalysts. So it's been really great that we've got beginner teachers who are involved in the catalyst training, as well as really experienced head of departments who are involved in that. And so that's really created a really nice culture of learning and trying new things and being brave because it, it's a good leveler. Everyone's pretty much new to this in terms of this is a whole package of a way to deliver teaching and learning. So it's been really good that whilst the head of faculties, it's a, it's a regular agenda item on their meetings um, to discuss, you know, how Catalyst is going and making resources as well. So um, in our staff meeting that we had the other day, um, where we had a student free day, we did a lot of work around how we can use templates in reading and writing um, and there's a lot of resources that the literacy coordinators put together based on things like the writing revolution, um, Project Zero resources as well, that are really good templates, things like the single paragraph outline. And so we've got lots of leaders in formal and informal positions taking on board and sharing their practice with others. Um, and that's, a, you know, a really great growth. You know, it's it's been quite a dynamic growth. We've got, I'd say... 
By the end of this year, nearly 75% of all of our staff will have been trained in high-impact teaching practice. So we've got the vast majority quite of a critical mass, which makes it a lot more successful. And so we can really then embrace new staff into the culture because it isn't just something that we're unfamiliar with, with having a go at. You'll have a lot of teachers who are extremely competent in those strategies and it will just become what happens here at Marici. What do you know now that you didn't know before and what do you do now that you didn't do before? I would say whilst I've always known that vocabulary is really important in learning in the secondary space, it's not just a primary school thing that we need to think about, I really haven't ever looked at word origins as a way to improve learning in many areas. So for me, that's something um, that is, I guess, a new thing for me um, as a teacher. I'm quite an experienced teacher, but I've never thought to teach where words have come from to help students to transfer those skills. Also, I guess going back to that point about students often being passively quiet, often I thought students were learning, but actually they were just opting out because they could. And so that's been something that I've learned to, I guess, make sure that students are all participating and that there isn't anybody that has the option to opt out um, to move students forward. I'd say one of the other things that sticks out for me that I never used to do particularly is the hinge point questions, making sure that you set up questions that have multiple correct answers that means that students really have to have a solid understanding that they can't just by chance get the answer correct. That's definitely something that's new for me. Um, and thinking about what are the misconceptions in my subject area and in my discipline, that's something I haven't really given lots of thought to before. Um, I've often corrected students, obviously, around their, their responses when they have got the answer wrong, but deliberately planning and making sure that I include questions that challenges those misconceptions has been something I've never done before, which has been quite fun to think about. What are some of the exciting things that you see in this catalyst space, Natalie? I guess one of the really passions I have, I love curriculum. Um, it's my my area I'm really passionate around curriculum design. I'm excited about the finely grained curriculum documentation that secondary schools are moving towards um, in terms of we've actually just created a template. We are, as an IB school, we have middle year program curriculum documents that we have to use with certain IB requirements in there. But we've actually just created a template based on some of the TeachWell resources that we can now use to plan the new ACARA Australian curriculum version with a more finely grained approach to make sure there is low variance, that we are really clear. I was trained in the UK and a long time ago, we were told about making sure the learning objectives of the lesson were communicated, not just amongst yourselves as a teaching body, but to students and that you revisit those at the end of the lesson to check have students met those learning intentions that you actually expected them to. And that wasn't a practice in Australia when I've come here in the schools I've worked at. I'm sure there are many schools that did this and that do do this before even lots of, you know, the movement with Catalyst and HITP. But it really surprised me that teachers weren't sharing those learning intentions or objectives or whatever language that schools use with students and then that they don't revisit those at the end to, to ask students to be accountable, to reflect on have they achieved that lesson objective. So that for me is something that I'm really excited to see being brought back into the curriculum documentation because 
I guess that links really well with the command terms, explain or analyze, because otherwise, if you're not clear to students and to colleagues about what you're wanting students to do, there can be a real discrepancy in their experiences. So one teacher might go really detailed and ask for lots of analysis on a particular topic, but then the other teachers really only got students to describe. So then if their unit test or their assessment item is asking for them to analyse, well, one class is disadvantaged because they were only ever taught to describe. That's not fair. And so by making this documentation, you're giving all students and staff really clear message about what is expected and making sure we hear I hear a lot about the curriculum being so busy and that there's so much content to cover but by really thinking what's the most critical content there's always choice you always have to compromise about what you put the emphasis on and that's such a great way to do it so a bit nerdy but I love curriculum documentation (laughs) so I'm excited about that. Natalie, thank you for your time today. Thank you for showing me around the school and being able to observe a few classes. It's just been wonderful to be here at Marucci College. Oh, thanks so much for visiting us. It's been great to show you around. Thanks for joining us on Teacher Insights. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, check out the website catalyst.cg.catholic.edu.au. Till next time, keep learning.